Tell me your worst fear in your head right now. Is it a terminal illness? A chronic disease that you don't know how to combat? Losing your vitality to something out of your control? Or even worse, losing a loved one suddenly? Which is mainly all of our fears, let's be honest. For the first time ever, Peter Montgomery is going to come on and tell his whole story. From becoming a dance instructor, to dancing for Chippendales, to being diagnosed with MS, and also dealing with the sudden passing of his mother. If you don't believe that those that have passed on can come back and deliver us messages from the great beyond, I really believe this episode is for you. Stay tuned. We have a part two for Peter Montgomery. Enjoy, my friends. Welcome back into all of my safe space friends. Um, I have a hell of a story here today for you. And um, I'm I'm really thankful that my friend Peter came on to tell me the story, but you're gonna laugh, you might cry. You, as always, you need a notebook. We have a bunch of references for you. But um, we're really just gonna get into it per use before I get into a nice little tree branch and look up and it's 20 minutes later and I'm like, oh shit, my guest is right here. But Peter Montgomery, thank you for coming to Shyland Studios, making some tea with me, cutting up some green apples and digging through some crystals before we even hit record. How's your day? So far, so good. So far, so good. Are you excited to tell like this whole story in one sitting? Absolutely, because um, I don't think I've ever told this story in one sitting. It's always in segments, so. Always in like, little little baby like pieces or just like oh i made a random people like here's the story here's the story here's the story and sometimes my brain doesn't let me remember all the pieces to the story which that's a really important sentence mm. to say right now it is so um i mean let's just you are an ms warrior but i would never assume that you had ms and right no one, no one ever does. No one ever believes it either. Like no. they think that you're joking and it's like the most worst morbid joke someone could ever try to pull on someone in their life. You know, there's a thing called laughing at your own pain. Yeah. I laugh at my own pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, the comedy in it definitely I'm sure helps. So I, I guess we got ahead to MS and ugh, of course in my golden retriever nature. Can we back it up a little bit? Let's back it up because we always do this though. It's okay. We always get ahead. Yeah. And we forget the task at hand. Yeah. So. so, task at hand. I want you to take me back to IT Peter. Give me give me like the foundation of Peter growing up, the things that you were raised on, and then let's lead into this banger that you're just going to drop at like 24 years old that I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm glad we're talking about this. <laughs> So, so let's talk about how your mama raised you. So mom, mom is what we would call a professional student because my mother had five college degrees. Five. Do you remember all of them? Heck no. Heck no. Heck no. Um, we're proud of you. But yeah, we're, mom, you're always in school. So growing up, it was me and my, I have four sisters, four of us. Um, I'm the second oldest, and let me tell you, being the only boy, it ain't easy. It's a lot of responsibility. You're the man of the house, no uh, matter how old you are. You can be two years old, and you're like, this is my house. And a lot of responsibility fell on my older sister, whom you know. Mm. 
So whom I love yeah. and idolize, get it right. And even at 41, Cheyenne, I still have that complex. Like when she tells me to do something or says something to me, I don't forget that I'm a grown man, but I do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that'll never go away. That's just that sibling programming. It, it I'm is. the youngest child. I'm 31. I have a kid. I moved away from home. And every time I go back home, I tell my friends, I regress a little because they be telling me what to do. I see. I'm 10 years older than you. I thought you're just more mature than I am, I think. No? Yeah. I have my days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, growing up was, I mean, it was as straightforward as, uh, as you can think. I mean, mom did what she had to do, you know, just in school all the time. Me and the sisters growing up, my, uh, my other sisters have one that's, she's 35, 36, whatever. We're not going to get into ages. I was like, it could, be, it could be too much trying to get your family figured out. I get it. The youngest is 31. The youngest is your age. All right. My youngest sister is your age. And, um, but I will say that it was tough in school as a kid, elementary school. Um, I was extremely shy in my younger years. And I really didn't come out of that shell of shyness until I got into seventh or eighth grade, and which I had to be out of that shell going into high school because high schoolers, well, just kids in general are ruthless. Kids are cruel. They really are. Um, and I'll never forget if I ever got picked on, I was the only person that if somebody tried to pick on me, my older sister would come to the rescue. And so, Sharon? Yes. <laughs> and so it was always like, Kids were like, oh, man, I don't know, man. His sister, she's, she's kind of crazy. <laughs> so people didn't she's mess protective. With, she's protective, but people didn't really mess with me too much or my younger sisters because we had our older sister who was, she's, you'd have to answer to her. And Granted, she looks harmless, but I wouldn't want to mess with her. She's, she's a fierce goddess. That's the best way to describe her. Yes. She goes hard for her family, and she'll go... Super hard if you try to mess with her family. Exactly. And I respect that. And that's probably why I love her so much, too, when I first met her. Yeah, you guys are uh, you guys are kind of alike. We could be our own episode talking about how much I love her. And then you end up getting jealous because the attention's not on you. And then See, I don't need all the attention because <laughs> I've been in a position to where I've had a lot of attention. So that's... We'll That's get, later down the line. We'll get to that. All right. So these foundational moments of your mother. You gave me a couple quotes that she said, and I love it. Because, one, you're not a bodybuilder. You never wanted to be a bodybuilder or anything like that. You just really wanted to be in the best shape all the time, and it promotes longevity. But you got those because your mom's foundational lessons were the better you take care of this vessel, the longer it'll last, and you be mindful of what you put into your body. And you understood your mother was a huge believer of virtue. Absolutely. So mm -hmm. that's another thing about mom is, um, sadly, mom got heart disease at a young age. Um, she, My mom's always been proof that you can be as healthy as one can be and... Anything can happen to you. If it's supposed to happen to you, it's going to happen. Um, so B12 
being that she had heart disease at such a young age, she was always extremely, extremely, um, she was on our case a lot about, hey, eat clean, take care of your body, be healthy. Um, and like I told you before, because she always told us, you know, the better you take care of this vessel, the longer it's going to last. Mm-hmm. And um, so even as a kid, like growing up, when, when I first started um, working out and doing all that stuff, I um, typically little boys always want to be the biggest and the strongest. I never I never worked out to be, you know, some power lifter or bodybuilder. I just wanted to be in good shape and just be able to do everything no matter what it was, whether it was being stronger than everybody or faster or whatever. I just wanted to be all around in great shape. And I was told by a couple of um, couple of older guys that kind of showed us the ropes, me and one of my friends, as we were kids, because, you know, kids can be reckless and get into anything and hurt themselves. But um, there were some older some older guys that were like, hey, um, you know, this is what you do. You want to safety first. And they're always like, hey, you want to be safe first before anything, because anybody can go in there and lift a bunch of weights. And then what happens if you hurt yourself? You know, here you go. Injuries. You don't want to deal with injuries. So I was fortunate enough as a kid to receive that information and actually run with it. And from then on, I've always, always lived by that. And I'm just like, okay, safety first. Take care of yourself. Doesn't mean I can't go hard in the gym. But I know what not to do. But the great thing about you, you know, obviously having like a good nutrition foundation, a great mindset of someone being like, hey, check in with yourself, check in with your vessel, feed your vessel the right thing. You know, it's so easy to be nice and respectful, Mm -hmm. right? Like that was a big thing that I know your mom told you. Um, It gave you a physique that also um, got you some attention Yes. with a really... um, big name company out there that is true so i mean so say like you were just you know eating like donuts and ho-hos your whole life and then you decided to get your shit figured out by like age 30 that'd be a different story but you i mean you really did just have a really good setup for what you're about to drop on us oh yeah and you know that's another thing like um you know mom doing all the school that she went went through and being in school for so long she ended up um, starting her own business, um, and she was a drug and alcohol counselor, and she helped people rehab from addiction and all that good stuff. But um, from that, I learned, okay, well, that means I could, if I wanted to have my own business, I could have my own business. Um, and, you know, after high school, and this is, I'm skipping over some things, but I started teaching dance. Um and it was a studio called Professional Performing Arts Academy. And I taught hip hop dance and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of opportunity there. And after, uh, you know, high school, when we got into the whole club scene and stuff like that, I was still teaching dance and I had some. Uh, Why is the movie Honey popping in my mind right now? Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Anything but that. You're like, I'm going to the club right now and I'm a dance instructor. I'm like. Is your friend the bartender too? You about to break it down on a cassette? <laughs> we never went that far. You got someone video recording you from a second balcony? Oddly enough, I do have some footage out there somewhere. Oh my gosh, please give it to me. <laughs> but the funny thing about that is 
um, at the studio that I danced at, you know, there was a couple of guys that taught hip hop and some other, you know, advanced level guys. And I was still young, but, you know, they were like, hey, we we go to this club downtown and we're looking for some extra dancers. I was like, extra dancers for what? And cage dancing was a big thing. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a go. See how, see, you know, how it works out if I like it or not. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Cage dancing was a lot of fun. And it, you know, it's, it's not as crazy as people think. It's not like it is in Vegas. I mean, we're in Kansas, you know. So <laughs> the guys that own the club. They have different lights in Vegas. Yeah, way different. <laughs> and I've been. <laughs> but. <laughs> Noted. So, it is cleaner in Kansas. Got it. <laughs> We did good work um, at Rita's Little Uptown, which was the name of the bar at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, hey, well, we know that you guys also, you know, teach hip hop and blah, blah, blah. So would you want to get some of the other dancers and put together some shows or some routines? Um, so we got to the point where we were doing choreographed routines at the club. And it was cool because it was guys and girls and we were just out there putting putting on these shows. And it was it was a lot of fun. Um and that was the first time that I was introduced to ladies night and ladies night is when the Chippendales come in and it's obviously ladies night. So they show up to do their thing one night and uh, the guy's like, Hey, well you, you guys have the night off, you know, it's ladies night. So the Chippendales, they come in, do their show. And one of my buddies, you know, he was connected with those guys already. And uh, he's like, Hey man, we, we kind of need somebody to serve drinks because they don't have a server and they prefer a guy server with no shirt and a bow tie, obviously. And I was like, okay. So I served drinks for a while and a lot of people were like, why aren't you out there dancing? Why aren't you out there dancing? And my buddy Jason, who wouldn't mind because he's going to listen to this. He's like, I told you, man. He's like, give it a go he's like you can give it a, you can try this and i was young like i was young i've never been in that what, like 23 24 young yes like that mindset yep. okay so i was green as they would say mm-hmm. and i'd never tried that and even growing up with my mom and my sisters i was taught to respect women and i was just like oh, no no i don't know about this but i wasn't shy I was like, I you were get, obviously curious. Yeah, I was like, you know what? What's whatever? We'll see. What's the worst that can happen? Long story short, went out there, um, and the worst thing possible—maybe not the worst thing—but what happened is I fell in love with it. And you like you like the what was your favorite part about it though? Like when you went out there, like being honest, was it like the admiration of the crowd? Was it the interaction individually that you could, like, go up and, like, change somebody immediately? Like, what was the allure of it? Honestly, um, it's almost, and I I looked at it just like I looked at performing from when I, you know, did dancing and choreographing and all that stuff. I looked at it the same way because you have people out there um, that are just, they look at you and they appreciate what you can do, but... I didn't have a shirt on and the women. They went nuts. Yes. They went crazy. And I was like, damn, I had to look in the mirror. I was like, 
do I look that do I look that good? You know, had me thinking. I was like, mm. maybe this will work. Mm-hmm. And to get money for that, that yeah. was easy money. <laughs> and uh, but you know, there was I was different. Mm-hmm. I was different than the other guys because the other guys were seasoned. Yeah. So you were still trying to respect the women. They're just trying yeah. to empty their bank accounts. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, a couple of guys were like. You know, if you actually get out there and try, you know how much more money you can make? I was like, I guess we'll find out. I like money. I like money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that's that's how that whole dancing thing started. And I. Uh, that's how you got into Chippendales? That's how I got into Chippendales. They asked me, they said, hey, well, if you want to go on one of our tours, you're more than welcome to try it out, see if you like it. I was not ready to go on any kind of tour because mind you, I already had Peter Jr., my youngest, my oldest son at the time, I already had him. So I was juggling that, you know, being a dad. Being a single dad. Being a single dad, trying to teach dance, working at this club, clubbing whenever I had free time. But I guess I should say, when we reference single dad, like you had girlfriends, Mm -hmm. but nothing was ever like fused together. Like she's going to come in and like be a mom and take over everything. Like it was, your life was very compartmentalized. You were IT Peter, you were Chippendale Peter, you were single dad Peter, and then you had a girlfriend and then you had your your son. Like you and your son was still the family. The girlfriend was kind of an outer layer still. And to speak on that part real quick, I always, I don't know why, if it was habit, but I always separated, like, my, me being a dad, um, when I would date somebody, um, it would take forever before they met my child. As, as they should. I think that's just supreme responsibility. Because I was always like, you know what, what if, there's always that what if. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to bring somebody into my child's life because what if it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. Which I think everybody thinks that when they're going through like the single parent dating phase. So yeah, very relatable. So that was always that. And it's still true today. Not as bad, obviously, but it's still kind of it always lingers in the back of my mind. I think. Well, I mean, we talked about neural plasticity before mm -hmm. we even got on our episode today. And that is a thick pathway since you've been doing it. For a long time, it's hard. It's hard to break those. It is, but it does get easier as the kids get older. And mm-hmm. Like Peter Jr., he's twenty now. He's killing it. He's killing he's it. out there in the world, just killing it. Yep. You don't even you don't have to pick him up. Cam, on the other hand, he's ten. We've know. been we've been rotating some soccer practices uh-huh. during the week, games on the weekends. We haven't even had time to hang out just no. because you've been a soccer dad. It's adorable. And this is the first time we have a break. Their last game was last Saturday. So now I have a little time before winter soccer starts. So we're right back on the train. Yeah. See, I think it's so cute. We just went from Chippendales to your soccer dad right now. To daddy. But let's go back to Chippendales because I need to know more about this. All right. Okay, so you're not ready for a tour, but you're about to be ready for a tour. So let's be ready for a tour. Let's get into that. So the reason I didn't go on tour itself, because that required them, they were always on the road, always. And I said, hey, um, can't do it. I was like, I have a child that I take care of. And, and now it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just me. Um, Peter's mom, obviously we had shared custody. So she, she did her thing. I was like, I can't be gone that long. I was like, so what is this tour? What does this even mean? And they're like, well, I mean, we'd be flying from city to city and 
driving the ones that are close. I said, all right, well, is there anything just close that I can do? And it was always Dallas. Dallas, Texas was the closest. Um, sometimes Denver. Um, there's a couple other cities that were close. And, you know, there were some one-offs where if we went to Vegas, I'd go. But I couldn't go on a full-blown tour because they would be on the road all the time. And So Dallas worked out. That was my first real experience. Um, and being that it was it was a bigger city, bigger clubs, let me tell you the first the very first show that uh, we did i um i wanted to i wanted someone to go before me cuz that's when i was nervous i was like okay i'll know exactly how this is going to go when one of these guys goes out and i can just kind of follow their lead and see how it works out and they were like you're up first <laughs> i was like why your first show you were the first on the stage first one on the stage i would die by myself I would have died. And so Jason, who's kind of like a big brother to me, he was he was like, man, that's just that's how, that's how it goes. <laughs> I was like, why why me? He was, like, was like, because, dude, you're new. I was like, these guys have been doing this for a while. You know, he's like, just oh, so you got to go pump up the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I was there. Throwing them to guy. the wolves. They threw me to the wolves, all right. Um, and I learned a lot from that very first outing because I went out there. And when you realize how long you're going to be out there dancing for these ladies, you're there for their entertainment. Um, you're there for their fantasy. Yeah, but you also have to. You also have to know. <laughs> you have to have a plan. I had no plan. Nobody told me anything. They just threw me out there, and regardless of what they say, you just got to kind of do your own thing. And they just told me, "Boy, you better get those clothes off." <laughs> I was out there for two minutes. I was only out there for two minutes before I lost many articles of clothing. And it's like... What were you wearing when you walked out? Because isn't Chippendales, like, they all have their own, like, theme and, yeah, like... Yeah, I was... Um, what were you wearing? Firefighter the first night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> firefighter the first night. It took you two minutes to get out of a firefighter outfit. You know how that goes. No, no. The thing is, they're all tearaways. Yeah. But here's the problem. Like, you have to entice and do all this other stuff and all that. And, like, figure out a way to, like, rip it off really, right. like, but I was so choreographed. New. I was so new and nervous. I was like, I don't want to piss them off, so I'm going to just do what they say. So they were saying, hey, make it out of those. You know, the ladies were just yelling, and I was just like, I had to do a lot of improvising. And I've never picked so many women up in one night. Because I, that's my, that was my go-to at the time, because I was like, they seem to like that, so... Anyway, long story short, at, yeah, no. I tried all my laughs back because I'm picturing you just picking up a bunch of women in Dallas being the first on the show yeah. in a firefighter outfit, and you're like, I got you, boo. I and got you. The thing about that, the thing about stripping is when you think about it, it boils down to a, a few moves. If somebody can move, they can move. But you can only do so many body rolls and all this other stuff before it's like, okay. So many worms. Yeah, before it's like, all right, we're <laughs> running out of content. Before you kind of come up with your own routine and these guys at the end of the show when we're all sitting there you know counting our tips and all this other stuff and reflecting on the night um had the nerve and i was pissed <laughs> jason looks at me he's like dude don't he's like you were only out there for two minutes before you took everything off he's like don't do that i was like 
why didn't somebody tell me? Nobody told me that. They was like, you got to learn sometime. He's like, just think about that. He's like, the longer you prolong it, you know, the better you'll do. And the all more money stuff. they'll give you because yeah. they're, they're giving you money to take your clothes right. off. So you're like, how much you got in there, boo? And it was uh, after that, that was um, that was my introductory. And I was, that was the worst night I ever had as a as a stripper. Do you remember how much money that you made that, on your worst night being a stripper in Dallas, Texas? 400 bucks. And I was in Dallas. And Dallas... They but you had, danced for like two minutes and then took your clothes off. So you made 400 bucks in less than five well, to six uh, minutes. Well, I'll take it back. That, that was 400 for that weekend. Okay. So... Not but, bad for like a rookie? Yeah, not a noob. I was a, a noob. noob. Yeah. yeah, I'll give you that. I was a rookie. I was expecting like 14, 15 because you said Dallas, but... I'll take it easy on you. You were a greenhorn. Very. Yeah. And, uh, but that just opened my eyes. And uh, I thought for sure that I wouldn't. Well, at first, when I was done, before I counted my money and stuff, I was like, maybe this just isn't for me. And, and then when I counted, you know, my money, I was like, we can try this one more time. We can maximize. We can, we can tighten some things. We can learn a few things. We can, because you're an IT guy. Right. So you understand, like, you look at the world as a computer. Everything is a computer to you. Mm-hmm. You understand how it got built. If you take it apart, you can find the wire that's wrong, replace it, da 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 So you apply that format to everything you do in life. And let me tell you, it, it showed me, um, it kind of showed me who I am and how I am as a person. Because obviously being in the IT industry, um, you know, there's a lot of, titles that are given as far as being introverted and all that good stuff but I could literally turn that off whenever whenever it was time for a show I was a completely different person and I was just like okay let's get this done and then when it was all said and done shows over I needed to recharge and be away from people like whenever we were traveling no after parties I would be that guy I would go back to the hotel if if they're partying whether they're partying at the hotel or going somewhere, I let them know. I'm like, I'm going to bed, so no, don't party in this room. Don't party in this room. I thought you'd just room. go hide out in the gym. No, nah, I would do the gym thing, but um, I would need my rest. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I would literally, and that stayed true up until the end. It's like when the, when the business is done, it's done. Go home. I think that's very responsible because the question I was going to ask earlier was, um, in retrospect, wasn't it a good idea that you couldn't get on those tour buses and go cross country all the time in the culture of Chippendales with the way that you wanted to be with your son? Absolutely. Like that lifestyle, no matter what, if you get caught up in it, it's going to get enticing. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of documentaries about the Chippendales right now that are showing you like, you know, what they were doing to be that fantasy for you like what goes on behind closed doors so to speak so even though like you were just picking and choosing what shows to go to Mm -hmm. i mean that's very responsible and i mean my eyes but i saw a lot i saw a lot and uh you can tell us about that you're just gonna scoot on by that just scoot by scoot by all right it was enough to make me just be like okay this is why i go this is why i go home you know they weren't all bad guys you know not saying that any of them were bad guys but so much i mean it's almost like I don't even know how some people would work the next day mm-hmm. without sleep. It's like cocaine. You would you, right go to sleep. Yeah. Like why would what? Mm-hmm. I want to be fresh and ready for the next show. Did it? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no. It's um, 
and it was easy for me to manage. And like you said, though, I'm glad that I couldn't do tours like that because... Yeah, that's never the lifestyle that you had, you wanted. That's never been you. And yeah. it's funny that you, it was even handed to you on a silver platter, and you're oh. like, I'm good. Like, I'm actually okay. Like, I like dancing, and I really do like the admiration from the, clout, the crowd and picking women up and knowing that they, like, want me so bad that they're <laughs> going to give me all their money. And you know what's funny? Because here we are, and I still get emails from people. Some people still reach out to say, hey, is there a chance that you're still doing that dancing thing? Because I vowed to never in my life ever dance in the city I live in. And that worked out for me for a while. A while, yeah. Because when we met, which fast forward, come yeah. back to that later. When we met, that's when I was like, um, you do what? Yeah. On the side, low key, mattress, mattress money? What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and that didn't. So basically from the age range of like 24 to 36, we're like dabbling in Chippendales shows mm. randomly. When I was single. But then we're, when you were single, mm -hmm. that is a really funny thing to bring up. Yes. So obviously when you're dating someone, um, would you tell them that you had previously danced with Chippendales, but you just don't do it anymore? Yep. Instead of going, hey girl, sometimes I hop on a tour bus and go shake my ass and bring back a bunch of cash. I never even tempted fate. I just left it alone. I said, yeah. hey, it, it, it came up in conversation, but I would never say, you know, I still do this every now and again. I was just like, you know what? Nope. That's... Not a door I'm willing to open. I just didn't even bring it up. Didn't bring it up. They'd know that I danced before. Mm -hmm. But, but I, they knew that you weren't like I wouldn't. If I was in a relationship, then. it wasn't happening. That's really it funny. It was not happening. The IT guy that danced for Chippendales. I have some really cool friends. You know what's funny? I, there was one time. Um, this is quick. We went, to, we went to Denver. And we had brought a new guy on. And I, this is... This wasn't even with Chippendales. This was with another organization. And there's this new guy, and he, um, guess what his name was? Danger. <laughs> I was like, sorry, man, we already got one of those. <laughs> and uh, the other guys that were there, they were like, yeah, man, we already got a danger. And he's, you know, he's already been doing this for a little bit. Because this is, you know, I'd already been doing it for a couple years when this guy showed up. So you picked Danger as your stage name. Yeah. Um, funny thing about that is the first first time I danced and tried to use the name Danger, the manager was like, I had to be Mr. Fantasy because they already had booked a guy named Mr. Fantasy that didn't show up. <laughs> and there was and his name was on the flyers. He didn't have a picture, but his name was on the flyers. And when I told him um what my alias was. He, he was like, well, Mr. Fantasy didn't show up. That's who you're filling in for. I was like, but I already have a name. My name's Danger. Like, that's what I go by you know, on stage and stuff. He's like, well, but who are you? <laughs> and that pissed me off because he was like, you're you're nobody, basically. And uh, But he was right because I hadn't been dancing that long. So people didn't know who Danger was. <laughs> yeah. And I was Mr. Fantasy for a night. And I hated it every minute of it because... That's people would call me Mr. Fantasy after that. And you're like, I'm danger. Yeah, I was like, that's not that's not my name. Stop calling me that. Yeah, you could have twisted. You'd be like, sorry, honey, I'm danger. I was just filling in for Mr. Fantasy because I'm a team player. But, Spin it real quick. But real quick, fast forward. Mr. Mr. Uh, da the new danger that showed up in Denver um, at the time he was uh, he was 40. 
He was 40 at the time. And impressive. Gr- granted, I was younger. And I told, I said, man, I will never be 40 years old stripping. And I was like, who strips at 40? <laughs> How ironic that I was. You got that egotistical youth about you. I did. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, let's just say that I uh, almost made it to 40 while I was still dancing. So, yeah. I mean, I still believe that if the right person asked you that you would roll up in a hotel room with a whatever theme you have and just make some Midwestern women's lives so Can't say that I more no vital. Life. You know, there's that money that movie called Money Talks. So money does talk. Money does talk. Yeah. So I do know um, when I met you that when you told me you're a stripper, I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> And you're like, uh, they asked me, I book the party. It's usually at a hotel room, most likely a bachelorette party by now. I have a certain fee that you pay me just to walk in your door. And then the tip is extra. So regardless, like, you know, I lay down my ground rules. If you touch anything like this, if you disturb me like this, I'll literally grab my stuff, walk out, grab my money and leave. And then we used to joke when we would talk about all of your stuff where I was like, how do you get all the cash up off the ground really quick while you're still dancing? And you actually said, you know, I actually need someone to come with me to my events and pick my cash up off the ground. And I was like, I understand why we're friends now. I remember this. I'm supposed to pick your dirty, dirty. money off the ground off <laughs> for you. Disgusting. And he was like, seriously, it's the grossest money in the world. I would never Disgusting want money. someone as pure as you to touch stripper money. And I was like, what, what if I bedazzle some kick-ass <laughs> gloves and I make it a part of my theme? I'm like, I'm here to pick up all the trash off the floor. Like, I got you. You're going to do your theme. I was like, I bet we could maximize your profits like tenfold doing that. We never did, but it really was an idea that I just thought could have really worked for us at the time. I don't know how I would have told my fiance. I'm sure that I would have like figured it out. And maybe that was the hang up. Like, I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to get married. I don't really know how to tell him that I would like to be a stripper assistant. I'm glad he likes me, though. I am really (laughs) glad he likes you. That does help out a lot. Okay, so Chip and Dales. God, one of my favorite stories about you. All right, so obviously taking the tour, being the single dad, juggling all this stuff, still working out. You're still an IT guy. So, I mean, like you have your main thing. You definitely like weren't dependent on Chip and Dales money. It was definitely like what I said, mattress money. Um, But there's something that we have to get into now Mm -hmm. that we're just we're kind of getting lower on the roller coaster, but we'll go back up. Don't worry. Um, you're a single dad. You're working at work. You work for a really great company that actually put a gym in at work, but they decided to put a CrossFit gym in at work. Yep. So this is where I met. Um, I met a lady and we started dating. Um, and I was trying to prepare for CrossFit. I was getting ready for CrossFit. So... Prepare to just go start working out in the gym or to like qualify? Well, to qualify. So I'd already been kind of, you know, entertaining the idea of CrossFit. And um, why? Because of the whole fittest person in the world. That was just a cool title. And I actually thought that I could be the fittest person in the world. Um, So, I, you know, I'd already worked out a lot and I loved it. And I was like, you know what, I'll just keep doing this and. At first, I mean, it's it's hard, and um, I was like, all right, we'll see how this goes. So they put all their they put all the information out there. 
on how you can qualify and, you know, you can be on the CrossFit games and be on TV and all this other stuff, whatever. But you have to have a gym that represents you, all this good stuff. Um, so I'd been going to CrossFit gyms in Wichita and, you know, they're all, it's a really good community, um, just like the running community. They're really good and welcoming. And so I saw how difficult it really was. You know, all that stuff was hard. And I was like, oh, okay, so yeah, this isn't for beginners. But whatever, I still kept pushing. And, um, I met somebody um, and, you know, me and this lady started dating and she was into fitness as well. Um, and the job that I worked at, I worked at a place called NetApp. NetApp is a really good company. I was a data storage engineer out there and um, they already had a fitness center, but a handful of employees we're like, hey, all this space, like, are you guys going to do something with this? So they ended up actually building a CrossFit gym. Um, it was small, but it had everything you needed. Um, and I thought that was really cool because I had 24-hour access. Um, you know, my girlfriend at the time, she used the gym as well. So it was just everything was going in a good direction. And granted, qualifying for CrossFit is just not some overnight thing. So I had a ways to go. Um, but I was on the right, tra I was on the right track. Um, so I was doing that, enjoying my job. No more dancing because I was in a you relationship. You have a girlfriend, <laughs> so we're not a part of Chippendales anymore. Yeah, we're not a part of Chippendales anymore. Still a killer father the whole time. Killer father doing a great job there. But by, by this time, I mean, that's when my, my little one, my youngest had come along. You know, he, he had been around before me and, um, my girlfriend started dating, so I had two of my, my two boys. Um, but fast forward, you know, I'm working at that app. We're, we're doing all all that training and everything. And I um, one day at work, can I can I just kind of jump into this? Blow the door up and dude, it's your so, story. So I'm just day, lighting the sage because I know shit's about to get heavy. <laughs> one day at work. Um, I'm just sitting at my workstation, just everyday tasks and uh, looking at my computer and I feel, you know, this strange numbness and tingling in my hands. And it just uh, I didn't think anything of it for somebody who doesn't know what the, what it feels like to um, deal with symptoms of multiple sclerosis um the best thing that i can relate it to for how i felt initially is when your hands or legs or something goes to sleep like if you sleep on something for too long and like your arm falls asleep that's what it felt like but you add pain like sharp pain on top of that and my hands just went numb all the way up to my shoulders and, and you're sitting at your desk at work, right? Sitting at my desk at work. And I was like, okay, that's odd. And then so little by little, the same thing happened to my feet. And that weird feeling just traveled all the way up to my waist and just kind of sat there. Um, my boss walked by and looked at me. And he's like, are you okay? And... Uh, I wasn't okay. And I was like, I was like, no, no, what's going on? Like, what do you see? I asked him what he saw because I didn't know what I looked like 
um, because, and I almost left this part out, but I, um, my eyes started going back and forth rapidly. Um, and the doctors refer to that as nystagmus. And so basically your eyes just go back and forth so fast. It starts off slow and then it just increases drastically until you can't even see like with my eyes open, everything was just complete blur until it gets to the point where you can't even keep your eyes open because it'll make you sick or just <laughs> whatever. But I'll just never forget um, sitting there, not being able to feel my arms and my legs. Um, and I was shortness of breath, too. Um, so I said, Gabriel, I said, what what do you see? Because <laughs> his reaction just I was like, great, I'm not going to know. And Till this day, he will not tell me like he's never told me. I was like, what what did I look like? Like, mm -hmm. what did you see? Because I felt like I was just sitting there in pain. Like, I didn't know what my face looked like. And uh, he runs and gets my girlfriend because she had worked, you know, for NetApp at, at the time as well. And then she comes running over. Same reaction. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, what? What are you people looking at? Like, tell me, what do you guys see? Because. No one's. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here, right. but I can't feel my body. I just, as crazy as it sounds, I wish somebody would have took a picture so I can see what I looked like. No, I get that. Um, I took a picture right after I found out I had COVID when I was breastfeeding my daughter. Yeah. Came home from the ER. They gave me mask and gloves. Actually, it wasn't COVID. It was an unidentified respiratory infection yeah, right. a week before we could actually test for COVID. Before we could call right. it that. Before we could call it that. Yeah. Um, but yes, I had it. Um, and I took a picture when I was breastfeeding my daughter with a mask and a glove so I could one, remember how stupid I felt and looked. And then I just wanted to remember just like how dead and devastated I was. And I was like, I'm on my deathbed and I'm still taking care of my baby. Man. But like I wanted, I just remember morbidly. I'm like, I want to remember this picture. So I totally get you. Wanting to know because I'm sitting here listening to your story and I'm like, no, for real, bro. What'd your face look like? That's I know I, your face. I, they won't tell like, me. Like, what are they like, talking about? What, what did you guys see? Like, utter just, disbelief and shock is what I'm just going to describe it as so we can move on because these details just get just juicier and juicier. They do. In the most respectful, you have my heart type of way. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my safe space friends. I don't want to leave you hanging. So, the second part of this episode and the rest of season one will be released on 12 12. So if you have any comments or you'd like to be a guest on season two, feel free to email me at safespacewithcheyenne at gmail.com. Tell me your story. Let's get something set up so we can uh, all learn together. Love you all. This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.